Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up, DTC pod? Today we're joined by JT Barnett. So JT, why don't you kick us off? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, what you work on, some of cool. the creative stuff you do. Um, okay, so gist of the background. I was a pro hockey player until 2017. Mm-hmm. Retired in 2017. Um, I retired because I was living and playing hockey overseas. I was mm-hmm. in Europe and I had a 10 year old brother, an eight year old sister had just started dating. Who's now my fiance. And I was just at the point in my career where I was like, I don't want to be living so far from everybody. Mm-hmm. The whole time that I was playing, I was making content. I was the guy on the team that would film, you know, things that are going on. I would, t- I was very active on social media. I was documenting my life on Snapchat and I just loved like the content creation process. I what I realized while I was playing was that nobody cared as much about my stats Mm -hmm. as they did about watching my life while I was a pro hockey player. And so for me, that was like a very kind of like aha kind of thing of, Oh, people are going to follow people that are just, and just follow their lives. They're just going to watch their lives and just like vicariously kind of live through them or, or see what they're up to. And so I became really intrigued with that. I stopped playing in 2017. I got immediately into creating fitness content, Mm -hmm. like doing workouts and stuff on Instagram my now fiance had built had started building her presence and i watched that go on instagram from like a small following that was just like taking instagram and doing it for fun into a bigger audience and doing it as a career Mm -hmm. and that was like i want to do i was like i want to do this so i started filming workouts um that took me all the way up until pretty much around the the close to like the pandemic Mm -hmm. um when tiktok started to come out Mm -hmm. tiktok started coming out coming out and I think everybody that is around my age, I'm 30, everybody that was around my age that saw Instagram coming up has kind of came to this place now where we're a little bit like burned out by the over glamorized and like highlight real lifestyle. Yep. So when TikTok came out, people would go and scroll on it and you would just feel refreshed. You would feel, you would find like genuinely funny or entertaining or inspiration uh, or inspirational content that you would leave the platform. You'd be like, this is valuable to me. Like this was actually, I actually got something from this. So I became like really intrigued by it. I loved scrolling on it. I then started posting things on it. And everybody obviously talks about like the organic reach. Mm-hmm. I would post one video on Instagram. It would get 5,000 views. Then I post the same thing on TikTok, which wouldn't even be like a TikTok video yeah. and you get like 50,000. So I was like, okay, I want to put more attention here. I ended up starting the first adult TikTok house during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's called Honey House. It was basically the gist of it was um, the MTV real world on TikTok. So 10 people in a house. We wanted to put a spin on it where it was like health and wellness positivity. Because again, at that time, I was like personal training and doing a lot of fitness stuff. Um, but it was it was that same kind of thesis. Can we put a bunch of strangers in a house? 
have them get along and what kind of stuff comes out of it. We ended up with that project going from zero to 1.1 million in 60 days on TikTok. And for me, that was what got me like the, a little bit of recognition as of like, he understands how to do this and, and build profiles. So I started getting hit up by companies saying, can you teach us how to do TikTok? Mm-hmm. The first company that I took on was a, a beverage called Poppy. It was a yep. little soda. Yeah. yeah Better for you can soda. Um, and what we started doing with them was we, I, we actually started, I actually started filming content for them, for them to post. Mm-hmm. And that was what I thought was going to work. Cause that worked on Instagram. You would post, you would film stuff. And if you were an agency or you like knew how to make good co- content, it would work organically for them. So that was the original kind of thought process with Poppy. We made, we made 10 videos for them. They posted all 10, none of them worked. So then in that same kind of, in the same contract with them, there was also a month of advising. So in that month we were like, what if you just tell your story on camera, talk into the camera, use green screen, which is like you put an image behind you, use green screen behind you. And, uh, and just like tell, you know, tell your story and why the product meant so much to you and what you did it for. And they posted that video and that video ended up popping off. And it not only did it get like a ton of views, but it actually ended up selling more product than the day that they had aired on Shark Tank. So, wow, which was crazy, wild. which was crazy. <laughs> so bro, like I'm, uh, so me as a, as a creator slash agency, I'm pitching everybody on awareness at this point. I'm like, look, look at all my views right now. Like I could get you a million views. I could get you like, this is going to happen for you. And I was so confident in that. What I didn't know was that TikTok could actually convert. I'd never, I'd never sold anything on it myself. I was never pitching that. And so I, the only thing that I was going into negotiations with for companies was I can get you a ton of views and just use this as a brand awareness play. Then this happens with Poppy. I get a call from them. They're like, look, we just broke our sales record today. And for me, that was an aha moment of, oh shit, like this is, this is is real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, This is like, this is like something that every company needs to do. One, it's still at the place where organic reach is so high that, and the production level is so low, like the founder, her name's Allison. She had never, she wasn't a creator. She had never filmed a bunch before. She just was like, I'm going to try it, did the green screen. And then this happened. So I was like, okay, my model needs to shift because every company is going to need to shift to where they're not outsourcing content. They're learning how to do it in-house because it's so easy to learn. And because the impact is so high when you're, when you're somebody that's already working for the company, you're just so close to the product. So that became my model. I was like, I want to start a company that teaches brands how to do TikTok organically. That doesn't, I don't film the things for you because it's not gonna be beneficial to you long-term. It'll be way cheaper for you as well. I'm gonna teach you guys how to do it. So that's now what I do. I have a team that teaches companies how to do TikTok organically. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that we do for most companies that are small teams, a lot of them just don't have time to go deep into the platform. We'll actually go and like recruit TikTokers to run your brand's account. Okay. The simple way that I think about it is like, I think every company is going to need a Jake from State Farm. That can be your founder. That can be kind of like the person or that can be somebody that you hire that becomes your brand personality. Um, And so now we will go and we'll find that person for you. We'll like talent scout. We'll vet them. We'll find like legit creators that want to come and run a brand's account. And then you guys would hire them as like an employee or an independent contractor. But they become like the personality behind the brand. Um, And so those are the two things that we're doing right now. And then on the side of those, I like really just love making videos about all of creator economy, all of the intersection between creators and business, yeah. things that are going on in my community. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm up to. Yeah, I think that's so fascinating in terms of like what you were saying about um, how every 
brand is going to need like a face and a creator, right? Because I think that like no matter how big your brand is, you essentially get bottlenecked at one sort of spot and you have as much like bandwidth to create as like an individual person does, right? It's almost like you have as much domain to create on the internet as like any one person. You have like a brand account and on whether it's Instagram, TikTok, it's just a page just in the same way. Like JT as a person is a page, this way Blaine is a page. Yeah. And and you, ha you may have all the resources in the world and then you have like this one tiny bottleneck. So every brand needs someone to be able to speak through like a person, right? Yep. And you guys, and that's kind of what you're tapping into. Well, not only that, but also like what companies are doing right now is they have one social media manager that manages all socials. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is every single platform is a different psychology yeah. that you need to go into with a different mindset and you, because you need to speak to the audience a different way. Mm -hmm. So this, the way that you write a tweet is different than the way you post an Instagram story is different than the way that you TikTok. And in my thought process, it's far beneficial for you to have somebody that's an expert in each of those and just hire them as an independent contractor and have them just brought in just to do that specific thing. To be able to own the voice of that platform, right? Exactly. different. And I mean, I think that's something that you see the way operations oftentimes work within companies is, you know, you're saying, let's create the content and then let's figure out how to adapt that content to the different platforms. Whereas what you're saying is like, no, that model's busted. It should be the other way around where you have creators creating specifically for the individual platforms. And then even just from an, like you're saying, like an organic reach perspective, like it's going to be massive and the ROI is going to be there because that's the only way your brand is out there interacting with all these different sort of people. A hundred percent. The, the companies right now are trying to get one person to speak Chinese, English, German, French, all of them at the same time. And what I think they should do is go and find somebody that speaks that specific language that enjoys it, that is like native to that platform and bring them in for only that. Yeah. You'll go, you'll go deeper. It probably will be cost efficient when it, because you can just hire them for just that on a project basis. Um, and I think that you'll get way more out of it because the person that you're hiring now knows what they're doing and can go deep into that. Whereas I, I just see it day in and day out with so many social media managers that they're like now, especially with TikTok, they're like, I just got thrown TikTok on my plate. Yep. I got to be doing Instagram, Instagram stories. A lot of them are community managing too. So like I'm doing DMs, then I do LinkedIn, yeah. then I do our website. Like it's, it's just like they're spread too thin. It makes sense to why they go on TikTok and they don't execute. They can't go deep enough. Mm -hmm. You really need to spend the time to go deep into the platform, just like anything. If you're gonna learn something and you're gonna try and do it right, you need to spend the time, the due diligence to really do it right. And I think the other thing is just in terms of like a budgeting and like ROI perspective, the ways a lot of brands make decisions and the reason that like they move so slow, like you're saying, hey, I'm seeing this massive arbitrage opportunity here in terms of like engagement and views and whatever on TikTok. But the reason it's taken so long for people to move in there is because like when you look at it from a pure budgetary standpoint, it's hard to like justify what that ROI is like right off the bat. Whereas what you're saying is like, no, you should be creating like going for it and and also if you're thinking about it right like traditionally the way brands would work you you do this all this high level production and you're the way a customer inter interacts with your brand is like in the physical store right like so maybe you know you you have the manager of the store who's running the store in a certain way and you have people coming in and they're really engaging with your space in a physical sense but in the digital world like you should be able to treat those channels in a similar way with all that attention to the detail you wouldn't if this was a physical store and you were opening up two different shop locations you would think about each one of those shop locations for sure just differently right you wouldn't just be like oh let's just take the same thing and like 
you know, fuck it here. <laughs> For sure. Same thing to both locations. You right? don't, you don't sell your product the same way to your mom as you do to your girlfriend or as you do to your teammates or as you do to the random person you see on the street. You're speaking. If you're a good communicator, you're trying to communicate to them as effectively as possible. And with every one of these platforms being a different language, you need to communicate to the person that's on that platform and meet them where they're at. And so I just think it's best done with that way, unless you have an absolute savage that is just like really good at all of them, but that's just hard to come by. And I think you know, companies will find it much more effective if they hire appropriately to each channel. Got it. So um, the next question that I'd have in terms of like how you, you know, in terms of like how you actually started to work with brands and some of the success that you were seeing yourself. Cause what you're basically saying is like, I figured out how to do this whole process myself. I learned the platform. I saw what worked. I saw what didn't work. And I saw the early brands that were starting to reap success from this. Right. So, um, you know, I know you went really deep in this and you kind of created the playbook for brands to be able to, uh, be able to kind of replicate this and see this type of growth. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to launch a product? or a project like that and what kind of, you know, what you cover in that yeah. project. Yeah. So I just came out with this, it's called the TikTok masterclass for companies. And basically the thought process for me was like, right now what we do, we sit down with companies when we're doing strategy with them and we meet with them once a week. We're typically doing it for about two or three months. And what I've realized now is like, I want companies to be able to go through all of the curriculum that we go through in those three months, but do it at their own time. And not only do it where it's just me meeting with the team, but where they can have multiple people on the team walk through it at their own pace. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need to film all of the stuff that I, all of my thought processes, all of the ways that I'm teaching this and actually put it somewhere that people can actually go and not just look at it one time, but like go back and look at it. Because what I, what's happening to me a lot is like, I can get on a call with you and we can talk for 15 minutes about something specific. But after that call, if it's not recorded and I didn't send it to you, you can't go back and look at that. And you're just yeah. like, what did he say? I can't remember. Whereas now it's something that you can go back on and you can hand it off to other people on your team. And so, yeah, essentially what it is, is I went and filmed 75 videos. I ended up locking myself <laughs> in my room for two days to film this. It was going to be filmed over the course of a week. Um, but I was just like, I really want to, I decided I'm going to crank it out in two days. Um, so we filmed about 75 videos and then it took us about five months to like really put the whole thing together. And now that just came out. Um, and it's, it's a it's a on-demand, you walk through it at your own pace, uh, masterclass that covers literally everything from like, it could be, it could be a, your janitor that goes through it. It could be the CEO. It could be the creator. It could walk you through from literally, if you've never downloaded the platform of TikTok, all the way to somebody that has grown pages from zero to a hundred thousand or whatever. Everybody will find something from this. Um, I go through how to film, how to edit, um, your brand on TikTok, like what you want to be known for, how trends work, how series work, what the algorithm is and what it is not. Um, I break down all of the brands that are doing it right. Like I break down brands like Duolingo. I break down my strategy that we did with Poppy, how I was just talking about when they broke their sales record. I break down how I view all of my own content. It's like really thorough. Like I really am. This is the best. This is the best thing that I think I've ever put out. Um, and this isn't like a sales pitch. You know, this yeah. is I, it really is legit. And I think that in the next three to six months, we'll start to see some case studies come out of people that really went and applied themselves to it. Cause it's like, I look at it like working out. Um, you can write the best program in the world. Mm -hmm. I can't do the pushups for you, <laughs> yeah. you know? So like the people that will go in and will take this serious, um, will have success like a brand like Poppy, they, they will have success on the platform. 
And so um, I'm really stoked for it. I'm like, I'm really, really, really genuinely excited to see in three, six months, some of the people that I've walked through it. And I think one of the really big opportunities here for brands is like, um, and you know, this topic has obviously been pretty exhausted about like Facebook ads and how like the whole kind of ad spend model got kind of flipped upside down for a lot of these um, popular fast growing consumer brands. But you know, when there is so much opportunity for organic, cause like what a platform like TikTok does is really like, if you create good content and you're able to apply um, some of the principles that you're talking about, like anyone can like really blow up and get a ton of views on the platform. It's not like, like Instagram, if you're gonna build an audience that's getting a lot of like hits and traction, like a lot of those audiences take a really long time to build with consistency with content over time. And like, yeah, now they're doing stuff with reels where you can also blow up, but like TikTok kind of what, what one of the appeals is, is like, if you create good content, you create that content the right way, you can get massive ROI on your efforts of creating that content. Dude, I mean, it's absurd. Literally everything I've done has been through TikTok. I built a 7,000 person texting community in the last year, just through TikTok organically. Uh, all of the all of the companies I'm working with, nobody comes to me and says, I saw you on Instagram. They all go, I saw you on TikTok. We wanna work <laughs> because I saw, I've seen your TikToks. Everything that has happened for me has come through me doing exactly what I'm trying to teach these companies to do organically on TikTok. I've never run anything paid. Um, I do think that paid is also like a strategy that, and I will actually walk through that in the masterclass as well, but it's organic first. I look at organic as like the fire and paid is like the gasoline. And I think what a lot of people look to do because it worked a little bit differently on Instagram before all the updates was you could have a great paid strategy. Organic didn't matter as much. Exactly. Now it's the opposite. Now you have to have a good organic strategy for your paid to even convert at all. Mm -hmm. But along with that is like, once your organic starts working, you start realizing that that's what paid is. It is, it is, it's the gasoline. It's not the fire. And if you really do have an organic strategy, that is what takes you to the real next level. Exactly. And so, I mean, when I'm in conversations now, they're at, with, with even with everybody knowing now that going retail is becoming a big play as well. When I'm talking to retail stores in Los Angeles, they're telling me we're not letting in brands into our store unless they have a good organic presence because brands are coming into our store and expecting us to blow them up and bring them more of a customer base. Exactly. But really it's the opposite where we want brands to come to us and be like, we already have a customer base that is going to come into our store. And so I just look at it as like, I look at organic as like what everybody's really trying to build is they're trying to build a community, like an audience of people that buy into what they're selling and their mission, mm -hmm. not just a one-time purchase that they happen to get targeted and the ad converted for them. And they're like, cool, we're, now we're a customer. You want people that want to buy in lifelong. And so what I think gets really people to buy in lifelong is by telling your story, your why, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's what people look at and they're like, okay, cool. This is something that I'm bought into with the mission. And they happen to sell a product that's aligned with that mm -hmm. rather than the other way around where people are just like, here's the nutritional information, go and buy this. That to me is a one-time customer. That's not somebody that's bought in long-term. What I'm trying to get people to do is get people that buy in long-term. And so much of like organic, if you can crack the organic, right. And then you layer on paid on top of that, if your thing's already working, right. Then when you put paid on top of that, you're going to get the engagement. You're going to get all those same shares and it's just going to go exponentially further. Um, so being able to create content that people like, you know, which can grow organically in itself. It's just, even when you layer on that layer of, um, spend behind it, it's just going to go so hundred percent. Well, bro, think about it like this. Anytime we're scrolling as consumers, the ones that we're going to watch are going to be videos that we would want to watch organically. Anyway, exactly. That's the one I'm going to buy from. It's not going to be some random ad that is very salesy unless I absolutely need that product in that moment. 
But like when you're talking about the goal with a lot of the content should be for it to be full funnel in a single video. Somebody doesn't know you, they see the video, now they're bought in and they actually convert from that single video. And that's, I think, what like a ideal perfect ad would be. That doesn't happen if the video wouldn't work on its own. Like somebody wouldn't want to watch it organically without needing to buy the product. So that's what I think everybody needs to be thinking. It goes, it really all just goes into the value. Like you want to be putting out content that has value within it, that even if the person isn't a customer of yours yet, mm -hmm. they still can watch your content and be like, this is something that was, you know, it impacted me. I see, I wanted to save this to my camera roll or send this to somebody mm -hmm. or watch the whole thing. And I think that that's what people need to be thinking about when they're going into their content. So how do you like, let's kind of unpack a little bit that, uh, you know, a little bit of the ideas that you explore in, in the course, right? Like, so also the fact that you lock yourself in for two days and create like a bunch of authentic content. Like I love that. Cause it takes like a real creator to be able to do that. Right. Like I'm sure like when you really get into your work, you're like, okay, I'm in the zone. Like net, we're, yeah. we're finishing this whole thing now. Right. right? Well, dude, I'm so. a, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of everything. <laughs> like I don't think that I would be able to be so confident in what I'm doing if I wasn't literally doing it every day. Like I leave my meetings that I'm working with companies. I go and film and post and try and build my own shit on TikTok. And I think that that's why, I feel like I'm, and I'm so grateful that I have been blessed to be able to do this. Um, I think that's why I'm able to do what I'm doing is because I am a full-time practitioner of the things I'm trying to teach to the companies. Exactly. Um, and so let's, let's kind of like unpack some of the like key lessons and learnings, right? So like if you're a brand, right? And let's say you, you're, you're bought in, you're like, okay, I know I need a TikTok strategy. Um, I've done, uh, you know, my Instagram, like obviously we have that sorted out. We have our social media manager who manages all this different content. And like, we need to like really think about TikTok, creating TikTok. And we, our goal is to be able to, you know, be able to create some content that pops off organically to like be able to sh share our story, introduce ourselves to the world in this world of TikTok. Like, where do you start? Yeah. Um, like, cool. So first and foremost, the way that the TikTok algorithm works is it is testing your content when you post it. It gets shown to a certain amount of people. Let's, let's, I usually just call it, let's just say it's shown to 10 people. Sure. It gets shown to 10 people and it's testing to see out of those 10 people, do they engage and interact with it? The, it those, the metrics that they're actually tracking are like, do they watch the whole thing? Mm -hmm. Do they share it? Do they favorite it? Do they like it? Do they comment on it? Mm -hmm. Those kind of things. If they do, if a certain number of those people in, engage with it, it gets shown to a bigger set of people. And then that test recurs and recurs and recurs. So it happens, starts with 10, say a majority of them engage with it. Then it gets shown to a hundred, a majority of them, then it goes to a thousand, so on and so forth to the, where it's on the main for you page where it's like what people consider viral. So to get people to actually engage with the content, you need to be doing something that is providing them value. Most people call it like educate, entertain, or inspire. But like you're trying to provide them with some sort of value or something that will get them emotionally engaged. When people talk about advertising, what they're really trying to get is the consumer to buy in with their emotions because that's what you usually buy with. So what I think about in content is like, you need to be doing something that they will actually like wanna watch and wanna share with somebody or wanna save to their phone and or like favorite it. Sure. And, and the thing that works the best that we see is some sort of storytelling. That means that within the content, it needs to have some sort of challenge and some sort of resolution. Mm -hmm. If you look at like a narrative arc, like, you know, everybody that went to English and <laughs> high school, yeah. you learn about these narrative arcs. I was a terrible student, but now I'm going back. I'm like, I actually feel like I remember that. You're talking about, you know, you have an intro to a video and then you have some sort of a rise to it. 
that sets it up and then there's a challenge and then there's a resolution. And I think in every single company's story, if you were to just literally like timeline, like the origin of the company to where you are now, everybody has so many of those little challenges, but they don't talk about them because we come from an Instagram culture that is don't show the flaws. We just, just show the wins. Just shows the wins. Yeah. So literally like when I started doing this and I'd be like, hey, before we start working, I need you guys to timeline your company so that we can talk about your guys' story. We would get back a full deck or a full document that would only be the wins. It would be like, we found this project, like we found this this product, then we went and marketed it, we got into this store, we sold 100,000, whatever. So and I'm funny. like, hey, in every single one of these bullet points, there is a challenge that you guys had to overcome that you're not talking about. And so when you talk about TikTok content, like I always really talk about Everybody knows that on TikTok, it's a little bit more authentic. It's a little bit more raw. It's a little bit more relatable. What are those things that you could talk about that give people more of the story of the company that get them to actually buy in? Mm -hmm. Cause that's the shit that people actually buy into is the stuff that is like the, Hey, you know, we put all of our money into this and it failed at the beginning, but we didn't give up and the second round worked. That to me will be like, all right, cool. Like I, I like these guys a little bit more because I can relate to this because exactly. everybody in the world has ups and downs. And so the main thing that we're working on with company is when we, that I think everybody should be doing in their content is like show, show the full picture. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you need to go full spectrum and go into like the real skeletons in your closet. If you want to, it can be in line with your values, but you just need to be painting more of the picture rather than just the, we're the best. We're amazing. We're incredible. You need to buy us. If it shows that like other side of it, it gets people to buy in emotionally to where they're like, what I was saying before, they're not just a one-time purchaser. They're like, oh, I believe what this brand believes. I care about what this brand values. And now I actually want to support them, not just for this one product, but if they come out with another product, I want to support them. If they talk about anything else, like another brand that they're working with, I want to support them. Like, you know, they just get really bought in. And so storytelling is the thing that we see as the most important. Got it. So, so you would say that like, if you're starting out and you're trying to like introduce this, um, you know, start working on, on TikTok and telling your story, like one of the key components of telling that story is just like sitting down and it's got to be hard for a lot of brands, right? Because like you were saying, so much of corporate narrative, PR, etc., is like only showing yourself in one specific way. But mm -hmm. what you're saying is like, you need to kind of get out there and just, you know, kind of be transparent. Show for every win, there is an equal challenge that had to be overcome for that to be a win. So why don't we talk about what we went through to pull this off? Exactly. Right? And corporations, um, corporations did it that way because that was what worked. Mm -hmm. And so now I urge all of the big corporations to really look at what is working in 2022 and what is working in 2022 is showing that authenticity and that rawness and that relatability. And so if I'm a business owner and I'm looking at, okay, cool, what will actually build our bottom line the biggest, it's gonna be showing that kind of stuff. And so even if it might not have been what you did before, I highly urge people to be like, let's at least allow a little bit more of that into the playing field because that's, from a business standpoint, that's what's gonna get people to convert better now in 2022. And, and one thing that I think is really fascinating if you just look at the trajectory of everything, right? And I think this is something you even talked about in one of your like reels or TikToks or something is just like the evolution of like, you know, how corporations worked in America. It's like 
at a certain time. If you wanted to launch a business, there's X amount of people who control like the keys to the business. They control all the distribution and media as well. So you need to tell a specific story. But if you look at through time, like what innovation really is, is like there's more people, more fair competition and like more products in the world, more content creators in the world and all of this. And as that happens, consumers become more aware, more smarter, and they can pick up on all these different nuance, right? For so sure. like they, they're looking for, so what really separates out products and brands and everything is authenticity and authenticity a lot of times is a buzzword but um i think what you're saying is like what why we've seen this run up is because people have so many options to choose from now in terms of the types of content they consume and types of the types of products they buy so like really being able if you're going to be able to compete in this arena where it's like everyone in the world is competing you better be authentic otherwise it's going to be a lot harder to compete a hundred percent people are attracted to other people that they feel are speaking their truth. And so when I say authenticity, I mean, whatever that, whatever the company is talking about, people can feel if that's bullshit or if it's real. And so if you're talking about we're the best, da, 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 we've never had any issues. We've never gone through any struggles and buy our product because it's the best on the market. People were the, the people's bullshit meter is so high now that they're like, <laughs> there's no way that that's happened. Yeah. Like, you know, and so I think that the best way for you to get people to buy in and like, again, I really think every company is looking for a community. Mm -hmm. um, the real way to buy to build a community is by showing your truth. Yep. It doesn't if you have if you some people are less fortunate than others where they've gone through a lot more shit and some people are more fortunate to where they haven't gone through as much but everybody's gone through a little bit of it. You don't have to fabricate it and make it look like your business was a complete disaster to start, but just even showing like, oh, we ordered a bunch of stuff and it, it's delayed, you know, six weeks. And so that's why we can't get your product to you right now. And we're sorry, yeah. like things like that. It can be a little bit, but it's just like giving the reality of like the, that you're a human being and that's what people connect to. Giving the reality that you're like, you have some human qualities to your company that's what people will ride with. It's kind of like when you, have you ever like reached out to like customer service at a company and they give you like an excuse that's like obviously total bullshit. And if they just like told you exactly what's going on, you'd be like, okay, I get it. Like shit happens, but they're like, oh, you know, and, and, and you can smell through that bullshit. And it's the same thing. Um, like what you're saying, dude, it's like companies that go, okay, launch date is whatever, December one. And then it's like, it's, it's the day before. And they're like, We've delayed it two weeks because we have something even bigger, bigger. you know, yeah, you're, you're like, like, you're like, what's bigger? Like I was stoked about this. And really, if they were just like, guys, look, shit didn't come. Like we were, we were waiting for it and like, we're ready, but like it didn't, there's a supply chain issue and like, whatever I would be more of like, okay, cool. Like I'm I, like, I'm, I feel for you first of all. And that sucks because I know you guys are excited about it too. And I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with waiting. If I had something that I needed to do that I was on a deadline, I might be a little bit more like, uh, that sucks because I needed this, but I'm at least more open and receptive to this happening than, than if, giving you bullshit. Than right? giving, giving you bullshit. <laughs> and so I'm just like, this is another reason why I think that um, human-led companies, like I'm talking creator, mm -hmm. founder companies, I think will do so well because creators are open to talking about that process and being a little bit more transparent with what goes on behind the doors. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I just think that as for every company adding in a little bit of that, not only does it help you build a community, but think about what it does inside the four walls of your team. If you know that if shit goes sideways, they can actually like talk about it and be vocal about it and be like, guys, look, this didn't work for us. We're trying our best, but it didn't work. Your social media manager will feel better. The marketing person feels better. The, like, the whole team will feel like, hey, we don't have to sweep things under the rug always. 
uh, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and uh, another thing that's really kind of interesting there is it seems like a lot of these commerce brands, as they started to come out, like these D2C brands, right? You would start with these like founder stories. So then like the PR firms would start like working with these companies and like, let's tell the, the founder stories. But the way they were telling these founder stories wasn't like authentic in the way that you're talking about. It was more like editorialized, yeah. like the perfect sort of founder story that like it's, it's, you know, it's hard to relate to as a normal person. You're like, oh, okay, like it's this perfect founder and they founded this company and it's like almost too egocentric and not just like being real. And it's for sure. I mean? uh, it, dude, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's literally Instagram. Instagram was, Instagram has been built on filtering and just yeah. like finally tuning the real authentic parts of your life, you know? And so that's exactly what happens with people when they put out PR around the story of the company. It's like, okay, like this is the real story, but like, this little piece isn't needed. So let's cut that out. And like, this is what really happened. And I think now people will relate to the most authentic, like, I don't even want to say authentic. People will relate to what happened. People will relate to the real story, to what's going on, to the transparent. And it, you might, you might lose some customers, but you're going to gain a shit ton of other ones that are actually there for the right reasons, rather than ones that are there because they think that the December 12 drop is going to be more hype than the December one. drop. Exactly. And they, and they just want, they just want that. Like, they just want to feel like they're being told the truth, right. When they're talking to someone, they don't want to be like, uh, that's, you know, bullshit. That's not right. That's not right. But, um, okay. So I love that. And I think in terms of like an actionable thing there for brands to do when it comes to your storytelling is like maybe really reconsider. It's like, is our story so, um, you know, over dramatized and just so so perfect and, and and think about how can you be more like relatable yeah. to people. I think that's I'll give you like a real actual exercise that people could go and do. Yeah. First and foremost, you need to know who you're speaking to with your content. First thing you need to do is you need to think about who is the customer that we are trying to be making this content for. Can I keep going? Okay, cool. Who is the customer that we are trying to make this content for or make this product for that we can then have in mind when we are going and actually creating it? After you do that, then you need to timeline out everything that's happened within the company. It doesn't need to be, it, for people that have been around for a while, it doesn't need to be from day one to now. It could be your recent product launch. It could be your new pop-up that you guys are having for a month. Something that's happened within the company, but timeline the events that led to where it got to. And then you'll, you'll naturally notice that when you're timelining that, a lot of it's gonna be just be wins. Mm -hmm. The second thing you need to do is go look in that and look at, okay, from all these bullet points, what are the challenges that happened within them? And that's when you start to break it down and think about, okay, how can we articulate this challenge that happened when we were launching this that would benefit that customer that we now know that we're trying to reach? And like, if you're a founder and your product is in better for you, it is, it is in health and wellness, and like you create it from your own pain point, like you know that you're making that product for that customer, talk about that pain point that got you to there because they're gonna identify with it and they're gonna be like, oh, I'm currently struggling with this. This is exactly why I want this product. You know, so I think a great exercise is timelining it all out, looking at all of the wins and then looking at within those wins, what was the challenge that led us to that win? And that's the kind of content that we can go and talk about. Okay. So now that we have like a framework to generally like identify and help suss out the story and not just like all the wins, but also the authentic parts that lead to those wins and the challenges that we're overcoming. What I think another overwhelming part for a lot of brands as they're thinking about this, they might be like, okay, now I have like frameworks, I have ideas to build content, but like, what do I actually create? Right? So when it, because I think 
especially if if you've if you're just downloading TikTok for like the first time in terms of like trying to like launch and start your own TikTok, it's like pretty overwhelming as a platform. Like you go on there and like you're saying there's like green screen, there's all these like stickers, there's like all these trends going on. And as a uh, you know, when you have a million different ideas and a million different types of content, it could be overwhelming as a brand who's like just getting started, dipping their toes into this. So let's let's imagine that we've um, we've narrowed down our story and we know our challenges now. Like, how would you recommend or advise in terms of like, what do I do now? Like what type of content do I make? Yeah. So when you're doing that kind of timeline thing, a great addition to that, I think is going back in your camera roll and seeing, is there any content that you filmed around any of those moments? That could be, if you started this company when you were in college, that could be a photo of you at your fraternity, your sorority. That could be a photo of you actually making the product in your dorm room. That could be a photo or a video of you, you know, at a store, but anything that's around that time in your life or in that company story and put all of that into a folder because the content that we see working the best, particularly right now in 2022 is the kind of uh, where you see like, you'll see visuals of those moments and then somebody will be voiceovering it where you hear them talking about what you're seeing. So it's like, here's me in 2016, you know, I had this idea and I knew that this wasn't gonna work. So then I had to switch it. And it's like showing the photos of you at that time and then you with the product and then you changing it. That's exactly what um, the Poppy story was. It's like the photo background was her on Shark Tank and then the next one was her product and the next one's her making it, you know, so. What I would say to do is build up a little folder of content that you have that you've already historically had from those moments. And then all you need to do is just in, in a very like, if we're getting into the weeds, import those videos in like upload them into TikTok very simply, and then just use the voiceover feature and just voice over everything that happened and t tell that story. It can take somebody. And an another thing you could do, you could literally look up the hashtag founders story and I'll guarantee you, you'll find 15 to 20 different examples that will give you the idea that we're talking about right now. Awesome. So like that, that's just an easy way to do it. You can either go in the hashtag and like look for founder stories, which will have a couple different ideas or like in a very tactical sort of way, just like go through your camera roll, find all the stuff that are happening during these challenges, these inflection points, these parts that are critical to the story, and then just go tell the story and narrate it. Basically. Yeah. The first thing I would do would be go, go look at the hashtag. Cause you'll get ideas and you'll know what we're talking about and you'll understand a little bit more. But as soon as you click that hashtag and you scroll through a couple of them, you'll be like, Oh, okay. This is somewhat simple. Like it doesn't look like they're using a cinematic red camera and like they have a whole production studio and all that. You'll notice a lot of them are literally just doing it on their iPhone, uploading old clips or even just talking into the camera and telling yeah. their story. Um, and it's something that anybody in the world, if you dedicate yourself for one month, you can be at the level to be a TikTok creator full-time. Like you can be a legit TikTok creator. You just need to dedicate yourself, put in a little bit of time, um, get some inspo like we just said with that hashtag, um, and then you'll be on your way. So what are some other examples of brands or creators? Like where do you draw your inspiration from? So obviously being able to create yourself, you've been able, you've been on the platform, you've been doing it a long time, you figured out what works, what doesn't work, but who would you say in terms of like accounts maybe that you look at that you're like, okay, these are really dope accounts and they do a really good job in terms of keeping content fresh and engaging and um, maybe their inspiration to you as well as maybe some of these different consumer commerce brands that do a really good job in terms of like telling their own story on, on TikTok. Good question. So as a creator, I'm all over the board. Like I follow all different types of things. I have created a couple different profiles myself for the reason of 
once you start liking and engaging with content on your for you page, it starts to show you things that are like that on your for you page. So now my main account, which is mainly business, all of the content on my page is business. I like to get inspired by other things. So now I've made other accounts and only liked videos that are either in comedy or in art or in home decor or in like, you know, other subjects. So that when I'm scrolling through those, I'm getting fresh ideas that I'm like, oh, this is different and this is inspiring. And now I can maybe take this to my business account. So maybe that's something if, if you're wondering, like, how do you get some inspo too? make a couple different accounts and try and get the for you page categorized so you can get fresh ideas. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like people that I follow, uh, there's a dude that I really, really like. He's a good friend of mine now. He's a creator named Tim Chiusano. I always, always uh, put him on when I'm talking about people that are doing a good job because he's so to himself. He doesn't follow trends, which is what everybody tries to do. Mm -hmm. He doesn't follow trends. He does his own thing. He stays in his own kind of like creative lane mm -hmm. and his stuff just, he builds community because of he's, he's just so himself. So he's a creator that I go and look at it and I just get very inspired when I see his because his is so heartfelt. It's like him, he's like a Casey Neistat kind of vlogger who talks about his life, his wife, his kids, his work. And so I, I follow him as a creator and get inspired from people like himself. But in, for the people that are listening to this, I think more in a business setting, I actually like, I like to follow a lot of founders that are taking on the role of being the creator and doing a good job of it. Mm -hmm. So you've had my buddy Casey that's on here yep. who has suckers with a Z on it. He's the perfect example of somebody that was like, you know, like I don't really have it. He's like, he has no employees. I don't really have the time to do this because I'm building everything else, but I know it's important. So I'm going to dedicate myself to it and I'm going to take it on and I'm going to see what happens. He took it on for one month. He posted three times a day. He probably spent two hours a day during that month, every single day as a consumer and also as a creator starting and learning the ropes. And at the end of the month, he had 60,000 followers. Now I think he's over hundred thousand. He had 60,000 followers. He had calls from Shark Tank. He had calls from Whole Foods. He had calls from like major, you know, distributors and retail. And, um, and it was all just because he dedicated himself to it. He did all different types of videos. He did like the stories I was just telling you, yep. the founder story. He did different challenges. He did different things. He just really was like, I'm going to dedicate myself and see what happens. And so he's a perfect example of somebody that like is a, is a small team is starting out and was just like, I'm going to go for it. And now he's like having real success. So that's a good one for everybody to look up. Got it. And then why don't we talk a little bit about, um, TikTok as like a platform, right? Because part of it, like you're saying is just being able to create like that engaging content, but are there any other tips and tricks? Like you said, for example, like you know, even for inspiration, the fact that you are like, oh, I rig up like five different accounts because TikTok's algorithm gets to know you. So if I only have one, then I'm not going to be able to find all these different like pockets of the internet, yep. so to speak. But like, are there any other sort of things? Like I know, you know, we've talked to some TikTokers who a lot of times they'll like, you know, start account if it does, if it's not like catching on and the videos aren't popping on that one, they'll like shut it down and start a new one. Are there any like other like tactical sort of things? Yeah. So like little about? hacks, like, so I would say I, I recommend, pe I push people away from doing those because people get caught up on those and then they use that as an excuse mm -hmm. not to stay consistent. And so another example, when we're talking about company is one of the first people I was working with, uh, that is now, and it is a close friend. It's called so, so Saki. It's a company in Los Angeles. They started it took them about nine months of posting every single day before they really got any traction. And in the last three months, they've gone from 8,000 to 100,000. And all of their videos right now are getting over a million views. Go check them out. S-O-S-O, Saki. So, so Saki. Mm -hmm. And it's just another great example of like, 
it might take some time. Like you might need to be consistent with it. For me, when I started my own account, it took a hundred videos before I got to 10,000 followers and I was active. Like I was every day posting, every day posting. It was just like, I'm not doing this just to get views and go viral. I'm doing this because I'm trying to build a community and a community isn't a million people. A community could be 10, it, it could be 10 views, you know? But I think people, when they get into the hack thing, they get, end up quitting on it too early when it might be something that you just need to be consistent with it and stick to it and then things can really pop. So I would say that uh, there is little things that you can do. Um, I definitely think that like searching different hashtags, another one for people to look up because of most of the people that are listening to this are companies is TikTok made me buy it. Look up that hashtag. That is all gonna be videos that are more product focused, a little bit shorter, a little more TikTok-y that are high converting. You'll see like the views and the engagement on all of those are crazy. And those are ones that you can get ideas and inspo from. So that's what I would do rather than like, what's a way to go viral really quickly that like is a trend or is something that I can catch on to. I would stay, I would, I would not use that and I would lean heavily more into the same way as working out consistency, doing the right things and just sticking with it over time. Yeah. I want to, that's another topic I'd love to just talk about consistency, right? Because it seems like that is where a lot of creators can really like win out over time in terms of like you're saying, if you're going to work out, it's, it's not just like, Oh, I had one great workout for the year and like, that's it. And I'm in good shape. No, it's like, it takes consistency to be able to win. And in a lot of these stories, you're saying it, you know, maybe they were posting every single day and then all of a sudden all of that hard work kind of compounds into massive growth that like is worth more than all of the work that they had put into it all the time. But like when you're in it and it's just the same thing as like while you're working out, it doesn't feel like you're getting the results there. And then all of a sudden you look in the mirror one day and you're like, okay, hell yeah, it's 100%. working, right? So how do you think about consistency and how do you almost like, and, and that's honestly like even just from our perspective in the podcast, like I know like everyone's kind of getting into podcasting lately, but we're like the way we're going to do this and the way we're going to continue to grow the pod is just like pure consistency because it's something that like we love and we're just going to do and do and do. And like that's that's like kind of the name of the game for us. So like how do you see that as it pertains to content? Because I think a lot of people can get overwhelmed when everyone's creating so much content. There's a million different content pieces. You're like, I need to create content about this. I need to create it about that. There's these trends going on, but like, how do you just, just tell me about consistency in the content world. Yeah. I mean, dude, I look at what I'm doing like a personal trainer for content. Like when I was training people actually, like when, when I retired and became an actual personal trainer, the parallels between doing that and what I'm doing right now, it's, they're so vast. It's insane. And we, it blows my mind every day because I'm like, it's such a diet game, meaning like if you, if you, if you find your story, if you know who you're making it for and you're trying to build a community and you lead with that value every time, it really is just a repetitions thing where like, if you stick with that, it will work. If you are always focused on, I know who I'm making this for. I know I'm bringing them value. A lot of the times it's yourself. A lot of the times people are making the content for a younger version of themselves or for, you know, a lot of the pain points that the founders start their company for. It's like, it was you before. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you always are making it with, I'm leading with value. I know I'm making it for that person and you just stay consistent with it. That might be six months. That might be nine months, but it will eventually work. It will eventually happen. The little formalities of like where you put your text and stuff like that, you'll figure all of that out. Mm -hmm. It really is just like a, the main, the number one reason why we see people not succeed on TikTok is they give up. Mm -hmm. They quit because they try trends. And the, and, and a great way that I look at trends is like eating candy. Whereas putting out something like a series that's like storytelling or is value driven is like a well-balanced meal. Mm -hmm. 
Dude, the parallels between nutrition and, and fitness and all this <laughs> and content is absurd. Um, trends are like candy. You can do them. You can get a quick hit from them. It can be a one-off thing that j gives you a little bit of a jolt. But if you do them every single day, it's not going to get you to the place that you want it to. You're not going to be in better shape. Whereas a series that is value-driven, that is intentional, is like a well-balanced meal that it might take a little bit of time. Like you're saying, you look yourself in the mirror, you're like, I'm not making progress. But you look at yourself at six months from the day one and you're like, whoa, the changes are huge and immense. And so it is such a consistency thing. You need to, once you go through that exercise of knowing who you're doing it for and you lead with value, then you just do it over time with blinders on, it ends up working out. Yeah, and that that's something that I think a lot, like what you were saying about the candy analogy with um, the different things that are trending on TikTok and probably a, an area where people need to kind of be wary of because some part of the appeal of TikTok is that anyone can kind of go viral. But if you're constantly chasing virality and there's nothing that ties your content together and there's no overarching narrative there, sure, your one video went viral, but like no one's like sticking around for your other content because there's no like brand identity or common thread that's tying it all together. So you're better off like building sustainable, like real content that grows and grows and grows and grows over time than hitting a home run once and then all those people see you once, but then it's just like a blip on the radar, right? A hundred percent. Virality is interesting because it's not something that you can concoct. If you, if, if there was an actual formula for virality every time, people would figure it out. That would be a common thing that people knew. I would have it. I would know. <laughs> I would you know? know. <laughs> There's, it's not some, anybody that is out there is like, I can teach you how to go viral every single time. I know what to do. It's bullshit. It's not, there's no real proven method of like, this is how you go viral. And so anybody that chases that, what ends up happening is they try and do the same thing that went, th that got them to go viral once. So you have the video that pops off and it might, usually it's like a random video that you weren't expecting. And then that pops off and then you go into dig uh, to analyzing that video that and being video. like, what happened in that? Like, what did I do in that one so that it will work the same way? And then you, what ends up happening 99% of the time, you post the second one and it doesn't go viral. And now you're in a place where you're like, oh, I'm pissed because that one didn't go viral. So now I want to analyze this even more mm -hmm. to get back to that same place. And it just ends you, uh, it puts you in this rat race where you're just chasing views and you're not providing value and you're not doing it for the community. Mm -hmm. And it's a fully, it's a full vanity metric. It doesn't matter. And what's so crazy about that is like, I'm sure by now you you know this better than anyone, but there's probably videos that like go viral just because maybe TikTok or another platform or like Reels, they're maybe they're running a test and they just like take your video and they're like, a thousand percent. They're, like they're like, okay, we're gonna blow this up. And there's maybe there's no like real reason, but if you're reading into it, you're like, no, 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 this is the recipe. I cracked the recipe, and it could just be like some PM like at one of these companies being like, oh, let's see what happened if we test this out. A thousand you know? percent, dude. This is why this is why anybody that just chases after the algorithm ends up in a bad place because. As a company, you have to think you're going to be trying out new things, you know, like you were just saying, the, the product manager is like, hmm, rather than showing it to, you know, 30 to 50 year old females in Los Angeles, let's try showing their content to like Europe yep. or, you know, whatever. Let's try showing it to male in the South. And your video that used to get 10,000 or 100,000 views now gets 1,000. And now you're like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. My content isn't working. I screwed up. And the reality of it is, no, that's not the, what happened. The algorithm is just going through changes. Your content is still great. You need to just keep going and being consistent with it because it might shift back and all of a sudden your content might be hitting and hitting even more. Exactly. And so people, anybody that ends up 
going into the game of I'm just chasing numbers, I'm just chasing virality. It's that same thing of they're chasing sugar. It's not going to build them long term. It's not going to get you the body or the content that you're looking for. Um, and it puts you in a bad place. No, that's I think that's if there's one like takeaway from from this convo, I think it's a, it's two things. It's one, it's the consistency. And two, it's not like chasing those quick hits of adrenaline or whatever of sugar, whatever it is you're trying to go after. And like then wrapping your entire content plan around that. It's about coming up with a content plan that's based around, you know, how do we be authentic and like tell our story in a way that's like meaningful now? Like we're pulling down all the 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 preconceptions that we have on Instagram in terms of like everything so so done up right we're doing that we're telling our own story authentically and we're going to be consistent in telling it and we're going to be willing to experiment in our own sort of content types but not doing it in a way of like let's only do this to chase virality so one other thing that you you touched on which is a massive tie-in and it's something that a lot of consumer brands talk about and you're like we as creators are really good at this it's building community right so I know you um, you've talked about you've built a massive text community, you built your own community. Um, where, so why don't you tell us a little bit about a, what your community is all about? Um, and two, like how you went and build it and three, like how you think about it and how you want to like scale things up. Cool. Um, so the way that I, my community right now, my texting community is all either creators or companies. The majority of them are coming to me because in that texting community, I send out tips. I send out different thoughts that I have about how to take your content and turn it into a business. Um, or how to like really maximize on it if you are a company and you're making content. Um, and the last thing that that text community is used for is now when I'm doing that recruiting side where I'm finding a TikTok creator, I'm posting that in there. So I'm saying so-and-so company, like, like Microsoft is looking for two creators in Los Angeles, in New York, um, go in and apply at this, like go check it out and apply this link if you're interested. So that's what that the community is for. The way that I built it was 100% through TikTok. I literally was on calls with a founder that was like, hey, I love your strategies. I really wanna do this. I don't have time. Like I, I'm doing all of the, the production. I'm doing, I'm managing supply chain. I'm doing DMs. Like I don't have time to go and take two hours a day to film this. Do you know anybody that would wanna run our brand account? I'll hire them today. I'll pay them as an independent contractor. If they prove themselves, I'll hire them as a full-time employee. I was like, I don't know anybody right now in my network. Like maybe I know one or two people, but they're already working their own jobs. What if I just make TikToks about it? So I literally went on TikTok and made a video talking to the camera saying, if you live in Los Angeles and you would want to run a brand's TikTok, will you go and apply on this Google form? Yeah. Because I have brand friends that are looking for this and I would love to pair you with them. I went to sleep, I woke up and in the next morning I went and looked at the Google form, there was 1500 people. So I was like, shit. And again, dude, this is the case <laughs> studies of TikTok. This is literally where yeah. I'm like, TikTok is such a beast when it's done properly. I was like 1500 people like, that means that creators want to do this. There's surely other brands that'll want to do this. Mm -hmm. Maybe I actually turn this into a database where we get more info on them and actually make it like a legit thing. And so I started making more videos around that. And then that's now what we've built into this whole separate side of the company. Um, we get a ton of data on them. We pair them and we do all that through that. So that's through that texting community, all done through TikTok. My thoughts around community, I really think that it is the more human you are, the more people will want to be part of it. I like really try to think about on a constant basis, like what are the people that are in this? Like, what are they dealing with? What are the things that I can help them with? What are things that I, when I was starting out as a creator needed to know, wish I knew, like didn't know. Um, and, and so I'm just constantly thinking like, how can I 
try and give these guys the most because I genuinely do care about them. And I, and I tell all of them, if you ever see me in person, come say hi to me. If there's anything I can do for you, you have, you guys have my, you have my number, like, uh, <laughs> please, like, yeah. I want to be here for you because, um, one, I just like, I genuinely like people. So I want to be able to help them. Um, and I also think that they are providing a huge service to these communities for companies. And I think a lot of them don't realize how valuable they are. Most creators, especially when they're starting out, they don't realize really how valuable they are. You and I being on the back end of companies, we know how important creators and influencers and UGC and that kind of stuff is. And so I really just try to like hype these guys up and I'm like, look, like you are super valuable, stay true to it. And I just give them the kind of thoughts and stuff that I have. So I think for anybody starting a community, you have to think about what is the common goal that we're all like trying to go towards that we can ride together, that I can be the leader of, that I can push them towards. And then what are the things that the hurdles that they might be dealing with that I can give them value for that will make them wanting to come back and be more part of this community. That's where I would start. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so fascinating. The, the overlap between the creator economy and the commerce economy, especially because there's so many types and i think this is something that gets lost on brands a lot of the time is there's so many different types of creators not just in terms of personalities but like even in terms of content right you have creative where what you're doing is it at the end of the day it's really like being the face of the brand like so it's real it's like really brand meets creative then you have creative where it's actually like content capture and like really it's like it's almost like an art right like you're capturing the content because you need really solid product photography or videos and then so there's all these different parts of content and i think a lot of times operators just like lump in create they hear creator mm -hmm. and they just think one thing yeah. when it's really all these different sort of things right it's not just one piece of content type is the output there's a million different types there's a million different channels and all of these different ways are ways to grow to build not only community but like grow your organic reach of your product through all these different places and all these different 100 percent. and the more you the more you know those nuances the better you can execute with them like somebody that might be an incredible UGC creator mm -hmm. might not be the best person to run your TikTok. And then the, somebody that might be the best influencer might be terrible at UGC, you know? And so the more that you get into the time, this is why, this is another reason why I think it's important to have people on your team that really do understand creators today, mm -hmm. not creators on Instagram that were travel photographers, that were videographers that just did really hype high end shit understanding the context of it today and what the nuances of it are will get you to get more to to um to spend less exactly. on it because you'll execute better for the right no, exactly there's, there's something we I, I talk about a lot with ramon and what's like been really good for trend is like he understood in his lane for trend that they're all about democratizing like content creation but in terms of like creative services in terms of like i need really good product photography i need this type of content i need that type of content you have other brands right who are like going and they're, they're trying to negotiate with influencers the influencers are like they want to be paid for their like for building a massive audience and for all the reach they're getting the brand maybe only once like one plug so there's like this mismatch in terms of communication right so in understanding like what is it that i want what is it that i'm paying for what is the creative services that i need if you can understand that you're going to be able to get the best rates and be able to create the best content and you're not going to be doing something where you're like well i wanted this influencer to post this and the influencer's like fuck that i've spent so so long building up my audience i'm not going to post that shitty like product for this much you know yep 
So it's all about knowing all the nuances in the industry and what the different types of creators are, what their services are, and how you can use those to grow your brand. Yes, it is. And I, I'm a big believer in you get what you pay for. I learned this lesson over and over again where I'm like, I need to cut corners or cut costs or just like, I, could I get this for a little bit cheaper? And then you just don't end up getting it to be as effective or as efficient. And so I'm a big believer in like, that's the same thing of when you hire these people contextually, mm -hmm. At the beginning, it might be a little bit more expensive than you were paying on the individual that was running all of the platforms. But what you get back from it as an investment when these platforms start all individually hitting is going to 10x what you got when the person was watered down and was just posting on all of them for 30 seconds a day because they had to hit that KPI that you set for them. And so I think that, like you were saying, understanding the nuances of the creator world, whether that's bringing somebody in that understands it, whether that's you just doing your due diligence to learn it yourself and just take it upon yourself to be more um, understanding of the, of the world today, it will go a long way in two, three, four months once you've been consistent with it. Yeah. And the, and the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on is just, um, you know, in terms of that landscape where, where you're creating all these different types of, of content, I think one, one thing that really, um, you know, is an opportunity for brands is the, when working with a creator is they've built up an audience, they have an authentic voice, they have a way of like creating their content. And there is like when people buy things, like what you're saying, they need to know the story. And a lot of times they don't just like see something and buy it right away. Right. And the way the, the commerce world works is you're looking for as much like attribution as you can stake claim to, right? Like you want all the metrics and you want them all perfectly. But I think what you're saying is a lot of the times being able to have a creator tell their story and maybe like you have an engagement that's like ongoing with them and people kind of like they hear the creator talk about it once they hear them talk about it again and again and all of a sudden they buy or their friends buy so you're on the back end as a brand you're probably seeing even more conversion that you can even get actual real attribution for you're getting it because you had someone authentic be able to like tell your story you know yes and i also think that most companies that won't jump on something because they can't attribute it. It's just a lack of trust in the process. Like, I think, how do you attribute a billboard? You know, how do you attribute somebody seeing a TV commercial and then going to the store and buying that product when they saw it? And I think that companies right now, the ones that are willing, based off of their own due diligence, mm -hmm. willing to trust the process and know if we gave $1,000 to that influencer and it didn't show that we got any conversions, we still believe that that was beneficial for us mm -hmm. because out of those people that saw that content, the next time they see us in the grocery store, now they know it and they have that association with that influencer and now they're buying it. It might not get attributed to us in the real time off of that one post, but it still came from that dude or that female that posted it. And so I think there's, a, like, there's obviously gambles with all different types of marketing. I think the people that execute the best on all things creators are the ones that truly understand the world and how it works mm -hmm. and are willing to take those gambles. Absolutely. Um, and as we wrap up here, JT, where can um, our listeners, you know, where can we find you on TikTok? Where can we find your course? Um, and yeah, where, where, do, we, yeah, where yeah. do we connect with you in the community? So the, my, uh, my, all of my socials are JT Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. -T. Um, the masterclass is just the TikTokmasterclass.com. And then everything else for us is barnettx.com. So that's my company. That's the services, the strategy services, recruiting, if that's something you're interested in. Um, and if you listen to this, I would love for you to send me a message on any of my platforms because I always love 
people that hear any of the things that I say and have questions about it, please ask me something. I would love to talk. I would love to help if there's any way I can. Sweet. Well, we'll link all those in um, in the episode description and just wanted to thank you for coming on today. We learned a ton. Um, love the way you're approaching growing your own business, helping out brands that like really need it and are really kind of trying to tap into this. So um, that's amazing. Thanks for coming on DTC pod. Thank you, bro. This was great.